Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I am ready. Let's go. Let's go to Kansas. We're going to a flyover state, people. Well, we're we've had some experience, real life. Yeah, yeah. We spent about a decade there one year. <laughs> a dog-loving young girl runs away from her Kansas home because a mean woman has declared her dog needs to be put down due to biting her. A tornado causes her to travel to the land of Oz in order to get back home to Kansas. We are doing finally the Wizard of Oz. Do 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 do. Okay, Aaron. Oh, the particulars. Particulars. So the Wizard of Oz. It was released on August twenty fifth, nineteen thirty nine. It was pretty- Can I just say now that until last week, I thought this movie was made in the 60s? Really? Or like, like 1939? They were doing this shit in 1939? Are you kidding me? Well, it was quite revolutionary. Every yes. other movie is like, like yeah. you can never find any fun fact or anything. And like, this thing had special effects and costumes. And yeah, I was shocked. I was surprised. Yes. yes. Yeah, 1939. A lot of movies came out in 1939 that that you compare them to. Like, Gone with the Wind came out in 1939. Yeah, that was an epic. I've never seen it, so. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) Used to be my favorite. I I took that bullet for you, Teeny. Very first episode. (laughs) It's about four hours long. It's so long. So, so Wizard of Oz was produced by Mervyn Leroy. He was a director. He directed Little Caesar, I Am a Fugitive from a Chain Gang. He was also a producer. He produced Dramatic School, Stand Up and Fight, and At the Circus. He got into producing when he went to MGM, and soon, and when he was at MGM, Louis B. Mayer asked him what he wanted to make, and it had always been a dream of his to make a feature film adaptation of The Wizard of Oz and said, so Mayer said, go ahead and do it. And the like everything that went into this movie and kind of why it is still holds up so well today is the reason why Mervyn Leroy went back to directing after producing The Wizard of Oz. He was just like, I just want to go back to just directing this producing thing is so hard and difficult and it's like well yeah you chose the wizard of oz in this whole thing yeah. but like you did it right so kudos oh man okay so the credited director on this is victor fleming he also directed gone with the wind treasure island and dr jekyll and mr hyde the and that's interesting okay so bear with me so then uncredited was richard thorpe he was fired after two weeks because his scenes didn't have the right air of fantasy that Mervyn Leroy was looking for. He also had a blonde wig on Judy Garland and baby doll makeup. Um, oh. Yeah, so it made her look like she was in her late teens. The One of the few things that did manage to make it in the final film is from the footage that Thorpe shot was Toto escaping from the basket 
Um, and Richard Thorpe also went on to direct many more movies, among them Jailhouse Rock with Elvis. Oh. <clears throat> so then Richard Cooker came in and he directed Dinner at Eight, The Philadelphia Story, A Star is Born. Remember, he was replaced on Gone with the Wind. And so he was on this movie for one week. He shot no footage, but he did take off. He snatched that blonde wig off Judy Garland's head. He adjusted the makeup and costume of her. He told her to act natural. And he softened the scarecrow makeup. And he also did the hairstyles of um, the Wicked Witch and her makeup. And he also cast the Tin Man. And then after a week, King Vidor... No, and then after a week, then... Victor Fleming came in and shot it. But then Victor Fleming, once everything was shot, he had to go replace George Cukor on Gone with the Wind. Oh and so then King Vidor came in to replace Fleming to finish it, everything up. Um, and remember King Vidor, he did Hallelujah. And so he shot the scenes in The Wizard of Oz that were the Kansas scenes. And that includes the famous... Somewhere over the rainbow. That was King Vidor shot that. So that, like, because this is all, you gotta remember, this is 1939, and this is MGM, and this is the height of the studio system. So, studio had, everybody was kind of interchangeable. They would throw people in, throw people out. Everybody's working on all these different things. And most of the directors were all friends. So, it wasn't this, like, oh, okay. kind of thing. Um, the screenplay was by Noel Langley. He wrote, our Girl Friday, and Snow White and the Three Stooges. And then Florence Ryerson. Snow White and the Three Stooges. I didn't know that one. Yeah, I didn't either. Florence Ryerson, she did Adam and Evil and Oops. Wickedness Preferred are some of the titles. Wow. And Edgar Allan Wolfe, um, one of the... The story editors, Samuel Marks was a story editor at MGM, and he described Edgar Allan Wolf as, quote, wild, red-haired, homosexual. And he would spend hours cooking for his famous Saturday night dinner parties. So mm. this guy must have been a riot. Those That's two, like yeah, those two, Florence and Edgar, they created the character of Professor Marvel. So this is based on the 1900 children's novel, The Wonderful Wizard of Oz, which was by L. Frank Baum and illustrated by W.W. W. Denslow. There are 14 novels in the Oz series. Did yeah, you know? really? Yeah. I did not know. And so he based it on the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen stories, but with... Um, uh, in the more American vein and kind of up, more updated and tried to avoid stereotypical characters like dwarves and genies. Because if you read the, the Brothers Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen, they were dark. They were extremely scary stories. Did either of you read this book? Not I. I haven't either. Um... The music is by Harold Arlen, who also did the music or wrote the music for Stormy Weather and 
the man that got away and then the lyrics are by yip harburg he did the lyrics um so wow good on him like all the lyrics and all the songs and then the score was by herbert stothart who was a top hollywood composer in the 30s and 40s he also wrote i want to be loved by you and nobody else but you that was betty boop yeah and also marilyn monroe made it famous Oh, okay. Um, he also did the scores for National Velvet, A Night at the Opera, and Anna Karenia. The director of photography was Harold Rawson. He also shot Singing in the Rain, The Bad Seed, and Treasure Island. And Nerd Alert, the director of photography, this Harold Rawson guy, for, uh, from 1933 to 1934, was married to one Jean Harlow. So, oh, yeah. Wow. Edited by Blanche Sewell, Sewell, S-E-W-E-L-L. Sewell. Yeah, Sewell. She also did Treasure Island. It happened in Brooklyn. And Walt Disney consulted her while he was editing the original Snow White and the Seven Dwarves. And she is considered to be one of the, um, uh, one of the great early editors or female pioneers in filmmaking outstanding she got into film editing everybody was trying to get her to be an actress and she was more interested in cutting negatives wow Mm -hmm. the cast we have judy garland plays dorothy gale judy garland is 16 when this is shot she was also in a star is born meet me in st louis and judgment at nuremberg to name a few frank morgan um, he played the Wizard of Oz and Professor Marvel. He was in the shop around the corner, Green Dolphin Street and Hullabaloo. Ray, Ray Bolger played the Scarecrow. He was a major Broadway performer. He was also in April in Paris, The Daydreamer, Sweetheart, and a bunch of TV. Jack Haley, he played the Tin Woodman. He was in Pick a Star, Alexander's Ragtime Band in New York, New York. His son, Jack Haley Jr., from 1974 to 1975, was married to Liza Minnelli, who is Judy Garland's daughter. Oh. Liza Minnelli is Judy Garland's daughter? Yes. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah, look at... I remember when I found that out, too. For real? (laughs) No, I didn't know that. Wow, okay. Yeah, I... I don't know things. That's okay. <laughs> that's okay. That's okay. I, I that's just surprising. But you, you didn't grow up with us, so I, I it's okay. Yeah, that's true. But I, I didn't realize that for wow. a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Bob. I wish everybody could have seen the face you gave me. She, but here's the thing. You're giving Teeny a hard time, but like it took a long time before I, because I didn't know who Judy Garland was for the longest time. And then You guys don't live in my head? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, thank okay, you. Well, I'll try exactly. to around that. But, Sorry, but, I'm Googling Liza Minnelli now. Yeah, but now when you know that and look at her, then you're like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, she does look exactly like her. Yeah, but there's no name. There's no, it's not like Liza Garland, so you don't have a name thing there. Yeah, it isn't until you read Judy Garland 
about Judy Garland, how she was married to Vincente Minnelli. And then you're like, oh, Liza Minnelli. And then you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's something because Liza Minnelli was huge in the 70s. Yes, she was. And so in, in, in the 80s, she was always around. And yeah, I only Marian people and yeah, and I only knew Judy Garland from somewhere over the rainbow, you know, the Wizard of Oz. Right. So when I made the connection, my mind was blown as well. Okay, because yeah, okay, that makes sense. Do you see the yeah. resemblance, Teeny? Yeah, yeah, they were more like sisters, it says. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. Uh, where do um. Okay, Bert Lahr, he was the Cowardly Lion. He was in Always Leave Them Laughing, Zaza, and Meet the People. Um, oh, this is a nerd alert probably for just me, but he was in the U.S. stage premiere of Waiting for Godot. And I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Because um, I remember liking Waiting for Godot because it was all weird and stuff and existential. I read it in high school and I didn't understand one yeah, thing. They were just waiting for Godot. Spoiler alert, he never shows up. <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> And is it God? Yeah, I... see, that's the thing about it. Mm. Um, Billy Burke played Glenda the Good Witch. Remember, she was in Dinner at Eight, The Young Philadelphians, and also Father of the Bride. We've done the first two. Margaret Hamilton played the Wicked Witch of the West. She was in Babes in Arms, The Oxbow Incident, and A Slight Case of Murder. Which, I love that title. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nerd alert, before she got into acting, she was a kindergarten teacher. Doesn't surprise me, actually. Well, she's a really good actress, because apparently she was just one of, just a really nice lady, but, you know, was really good at this role. She was good at this role. Pat Walsh play or Walshy played Nico the winged monkey king. He also <laughs> was very briefly in Pinky and Panic oh. in the Streets, both uncredited. Um, Terry is the, how do you say this? Karen Terrier? Yeah. I, yeah, something like that. Karen Terrier, female. She played Toto. And she was outstanding. She was owned by Carl Spitz, who went on to head up the United States World War II War Dog Program. Oh, wow. And now, put this under things that I meant to look up. United States War World Dog War II War Dog Program. Because that could go either way. Yeah. That could go bad very quickly. Um. He was. She was also in The Women, Barefoot Boy, and George Washington Slept Here. And those are your particulars. Okay. Well, we start with the black and white um, uh, picture of moving clouds. And then we hear the instrumental of Over the Rainbow. And then the other songs that are in here. And then we see Dorothy in a farmyard calling for Auntie M., and Mrs. Gulch, oh, she's she's trying to tell Auntie M that Mrs. Gulch hit Toto, and Auntie M and Uncle 
maybe are taking care of baby chicks because their incubator went out and so they don't have time they're counting the baby chicks and then there are three farm hands um and they don't have time for her either and they're saying well the one is saying well use your head and don't go by miss gulch's place anymore but they're too busy to help and then uh, another one is saying, have courage and spit in her eye. At which point, um, Dorothy falls in the pig pen. And, oh, that's that's a scary thing. And then Auntie M brings out cruelers for everybody. You know, after you've been in the, in the pig shit, here, have a cruel. Isn't it a thing because pigs will eat anything? So I thought that yeah, they were going to, like, eat her. Yeah. I'm like, why was she? She lives on a farm. Why was she pretending like the gate was a balance beam where the pigs were? Yeah. I'll put the, you'll get to this in my negative MVPs or my <laughs> negative reheatables. But. Thank you. I have Mrs. Gulch gonna call someone. Um. Oh. Uh, oh, okay. she was gonna call the authorities. Yeah. Um. To have Toto put down. Okay. Always get your oh, um, Auntie M goes. You always get yourself into a fret over nothing. Find a place where you won't get in any trouble. So she goes wandering on the farm and sings a beautiful. She does. It is beautiful. Yeah. I mean, Judy Garland can belt out a tune. There's a reason why she's Judy yeah. Garland. And I, I felt like she was 16 and she was supposed to be playing a pre-adolescent. But um, I thought she had a really innocent look to her. Mm -hmm. I thought she yeah. pulled it off. She looked exactly what she should have looked like. Right. Mm -hmm. Then you hear, and here comes Mrs. Gulch on her bicycle because Toto bit her leg. She had a really good dismount off that bike. Ew, I I went back and rewound it to watch it because I have stuff about her whole bike riding thing. But fluid, the most fluid way to ever get off a bike I've ever seen. Yeah. And she's wearing a dress. Ew. All those long skirts. Margaret Hamilton, ballerina. Well, she says, that dog's a menace, taking him to the sheriff to be destroyed. Oh, a little too good at that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't want to get in trouble there. Then she goes, I'll take your whole farm. <laughs> she has an order from the sheriff. And so Auntie M and, uh, and Uncle Henry are going, well, we can't go against the law. And then... Dorothy says, I'll bite you myself. <laughs> and wicked old witch, I wrote. Oh, she calls her a wicked old witch. And at that point, Margaret Hamilton, the wicked old witch, puts Toto in her basket. And Auntie M goes, Elmira Gulch, I've been wanting to tell you what I think of you. But being a Christian woman, I can't say it. So, do, 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 do. she rides off with Toto in her basket, but Toto escapes. And 
goes back to Dorothy and Dorothy says, we got to run away. <laughs> and so uh, they're walking and walking. She has a basket to carry Toto, but Toto can walk on his own too. And then they Poor. see a, wa- <laughs> a wagon that says, Professor Marvel, acclaimed by the crowned heads of Europe, let him read your past, present, future in his crystal. Also good for juggling and sleight of hand. And he's cooking over a fire. And he says to her, who are you? Wait, let me guess. You're running away. And and she is so awestruck that he knows this about her. It's just like you could read what's inside me. And he goes, let's go consult the crystal. And he puts on a turban and he says, close your eyes. And as he says, close your eyes, he looks in her basket for clues. He finds a picture of the farm and he's, and so then he says, okay, you can open your eyes now that I have, you know, scammed you enough. So there's a picture of a farm. Someone has their heart broken. She has her hand on her heart. She's dropping on the bed and, um, you know, when I first, many times that I saw this, I thought he was just a scammer, which he was. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, reading out. But then you realize he's doing this to send her back to Auntie Anne. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I didn't get that when I was a young person. I don't even, I didn't even remember this part. Um, and... So she uh, runs back home. She and Toto are running back home, but a tornado is coming and they're calling for Dorothy all over They're They're hitting the storm cellar and they, they just can't wait any longer. The tornado is there. So at this point, Dorothy finally gets back to the farm and oh, the tornado is everywhere and there's the loud noise and she's banging on the storm cellar, but they can't hear her over the sound of the train that is the tornado it sounded like a freight train then she goes back in the house because she doesn't know what to do and so she you know uh she goes back to her bedroom you she know just stands in front in of a window which is ex- the number one thing you're supposed to do in a tornado situation <clears throat> we lived in kansas for a year as was previously stated uh, in military housing and what is the one thing you're always supposed to do in a tornado? You go to under the steps. The basement. You go to oh, the basement. But we didn't have a basement. Exactly. <laughs> Military housing in Kansas didn't build basements. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank a, you for your service. Wait a, wait a little. Yeah, so we, have, we would have to go into the closet. And it is so scary. Like, those tornado sirens are the scariest thing. Because also the sky has said, when I saw the sky at the beginning of this, I'm just, I have the PTSD where I'm like, Dorothy, how, this can't be your first tornado because you've been in Kansas. Look at that sky. You're going to tell me that you're just going to go out and about and run away with the black sky that black? She was saving Toto. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And when we're on the farm, it's black and white. So you can't see the pinkish, greenish tinge to everything that comes with the tornado. Mm -hmm. 
So, sort of like if you've taken mescaline, everything is pink and green. What? Okay, and so, um, um, excuse me. Wind, <laughs> a window knocks her out, so and she <laughs> ends up in her bed, which is exactly where I would want to be. Then the house is flying, and she's looking out the window that has no window anymore. And Mrs. Gulch turns into a witch, and then the bed is spinning. And the house lands, and she walks outside, and it is color, vibrant, beautiful colors everywhere. Like mescaline? Pretty, pretty, pretty <laughs> vibrant. There are flowers and mountains and a bubbling brick and a yellow br brook and a yellow brick road and a golden orb. It's, yeah. It's coming toward her. <laughs> Sorry, I just Googled mescaline. And Glinda, <laughs> and Glinda appears in all of her finery. Uh, and she asks, are you a good witch or a bad witch? And she, Dorothy goes, I ain't no witch at all. And the house has landed on the good witch of the East. And we have munchkins and the munchkins come out. Now the munchkins are all, um, <laughs> we've um, just been Googling mescaline. And now to hear you describe the wizard of Oz, I am so confused. <laughs> um, the munchkins are all li little people. That's the <laughs> correct terminology at this time. Am I right? Yes. I believe okay. so. Um, and they're happy because Dorothy freed them by landing on the Wicked Witch of the East. And so they sing the song, Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. I was known to sing that at one point in my professional career. Ding Dong, the Witch is Dead. She's gone where the goblins go below, below, below. That was my favorite line. Then the Wicked Witch of the West appears. She's worse than the Wicked Witch of the East. Who killed my sister? And Glinda goes, Oh, you've forgotten about the ruby slippers. <laughs> and um, so Glinda makes the ruby slippers disappear from her sister. And this was a really freaky thing. Oh, that was one of the that was one of the, the scariest things to me was, was oh, those yeah, stockings. When her legs shriveled up. Yes. Terrifying. Yeah. 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 And so uh, the ruby slippers are now on Dorothy, and she says, never take them off. They are very powerful. Do not let the Wicked Witch of the West ever get a hold of them. Okay. <laughs> Surprising. I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog, too. And Glinda goes, you've, you've made a bad enemy. Get out of Oz. Uh, the great and wonderful wizard is the Emerald City can get you home. So just follow the yellow brick road, follow the yellow brick road. And I stopped there. Wow, Ma, that might have been your greatest, <laughs> the best, the best synopsis recapping. Yeah, we're now Teeny and I have so many questions. <laughs> None will be answered. 
Okay, so we are to POC count. I got none. I put zero. I don't know if any of the little people were, but... I didn't see any people of color. Um, and as far as cast? Well, the power of cast. Um, let's see. The flying monkeys always seemed a little uncomfortable to me. Um, but then the how everyone is happy when the two witches are killed because they're liberated so that that there's a, a cast structure with that oh, definitely um because you know when you when we got to munchkin land it wasn't like munchkin land looked it looked like they had a booming economy everyone seemed to be really happy and yet well fed yeah well fed everything's super bright so but apparently like this this wicked witch of the east was just a real real tyrant and then the west same thing I went down an entire YouTube conspiracy about how the real villain is Glinda the Good Witch. I could believe I make a case for that. I could see that. My my last thing of cast is how just real. I'll quick, get into it later. Yeah. Thank you. Is how um how Almira just comes strolling in with a piece of paper saying that she has to take the dog. And yeah, and it's like give it to me, and she she's just like you know you're beneath you people are beneath me. I went to the sheriff, so you can just see how like the caste system is playing That's in terms true. of like I didn't think of that. The, well the townspeople and stuff. Because she owns half the town or more. Yeah, yeah. At one point, Annie M says that. Yeah. I have one hour. You guys just went away. Oh, it happened to you a couple times, but I could still hear you. Mm-hmm. Uh, my this, but this is more like real life power of cast, I guess. I don't know why I wrote it on here, but I'm just gonna say it. Mm-hmm. Um, Toto was paid more than the actors who played the Munchkins. Oh, I saw that coming. Oh, wow. And like they were talking about how like there was like a bunch of. Like, the Munchkins would all... The actors that played the Munchkins would go and... I mean, the fact that they were called the Munchkins. Yes. General, but... Mm-hmm. They would all go out and get, like, hammered at the bar. And it became such an issue. They were all going and getting... And they were getting arrested, like, every night. And... <laughs> but they were so good in the movie that the producers... Like, they were just bailing them out of jail and, like, pay, like paying for them. But I'm like, yeah, they were... And then the next thing I heard was that Toto was paid more. And I was like, yeah, no shit. They're going out and getting hammered every night. Yeah. They get more money than them in the movie. And they're... What is their... You know, they're they're already born little people. It's already... It's 1939. Not to yeah. say that even a little person born in 2021 has it that much better. But... They're it like that. It seems like what are your career opportunities going to be, you know? And if you want to be in film, even in 2021, yeah, the chances of you being a little person in a film and not being that, not being the butt of a joke at some point, you know, it's like there's Peter Dinklage, and yeah, that's that's it. Yeah, 
he is their he is their savior. Now I do have a nerd alert, tasty nugget that mm-hmm. I'm going to drop now. Drop it. Many of the little people came from Europe and were European Jews. Oh, and they came over and then they could stay oh, and not have to go back. That's so good. Smart decision. Hang on to this. Hang on to this feeling, guys, because I'm gonna bust it in nerd alerts. Oh god. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So good job with power of cast. Okay. So we are two nerd alerts. Okay. So let's paint the stage. It's 1939. What's going on in the world in 1939? Well, I don't know. Let me fill you in. Amelia Earhart is declared dead after she was missing for 18 months. The Spanish Civil War is going on, and it comes to an end when Francisco Franco takes power, and he's a dictator, and he's in power of Spain until 1975, which I Go ahead. Well, I just realized that I didn't realize that Spain was under a dictatorship until 1975, and I'm just like, oh, wow, that's a a blank spot in my European education history. Okay, because you are... For this time period and European history, you're pretty, you're pretty good. Well, but it's, it's all concentrated around World War II. And so this question is concentrated around World War II as well. There were people who were crossing the Pyrenees to get to Spain to get away. So Spain wasn't part of the Axis. I don't, I see, that's the thing that I don't know. I just, Spain had its own thing going on prior to World War One, and it was, and a lot of people in the know were like, you need to pay attention to Spain. And so like a lot of people went over to fight in the Spanish Civil War, and I don't know like the different sides because they saw it as a precursor of what was going on in Europe and the rise of dictators taking over. And yeah, it's just really interesting. So that's why I'm saying it's a blank spot because then when you get to World War Two, I think like Francisco Franco was just like, nah, man, I'm like, I got my, I got got mines. Like, because I know people did escape to Spain to get away from. Yeah. But, but it's not like Franco was a great right person so that's why i'm saying it's this it's this weird spot of like so maybe from spain then they could get out of off the european continent yeah i guess i guess maybe franco was kind of looking at what was happening in northern africa because he had the buffer of france and i don't know what kind of deals like i'm saying he could have like had Mm -hmm. a deal like who knows i don't know that's why i just think it's really interesting and i i do I do know in the 70s, 70 what, four? 75. Um, Saturday Night Live used to always talk about Franco. Yeah. I mean, they would, yeah. Okay. I mean, he did a lot to really squelch, you know, he's a dictator. So arts and that kind of thing wasn't high on his... (laughs) You know? No kimonos. Yeah, there's no kimonos going on. So that's something to look into. Um, you know, 1939, so Hitler's doing a lot of Hitler stuff. 
He yeah. uh, he warns the Jewish financiers that if they start a war against Germany, the result will be, quote, annihilation of the Jewish race in Europe. So he just put that right out there. Meanwhile, though... And they didn't start a war, and there was still annihilation. Exactly, because meanwhile, he also orders Plan Z at the same time, which was basically to build up the Nazi Navy, because at that time, 1939, you know, there was the old saying about Great Britain that the sun never set on the British Empire, and they got that empire through their navy, which had been world-class for centuries, and Plan Z was the Nazis like, all right, we're going to build up our navy so that we can defeat this global powerhouse. But, you know, if the Jewish financiers declare war on us, like you're already, like it's, it was just a whole bunch of, whole bunch of Nazi bullshit going on in 1939. Over in <laughs> India, speaking of the British Empire, Gandhi, he fasts to protest the British rule in India doing that whole peaceful protesting thing. Marian Anderson, back in the United States, she is a African-American, US, an African-American contra alto singer. She performs in front of 75,000 people at the Lincoln Memorial because she was denied the use of Constitution Hall by the Daughters of the American Revolution. Now the And also, she couldn't perform at a public high school that is in Washington, D.C., because, as you may or may not know, the District of Columbia is federally controlled. That's right. They get taxed without representation, which is funny then that the Daughters of the American Revolution are like, no, you can't perform here. And the Daughters of the American Revolution are a lineage-based nonprofit, um, which was, you know, they allegedly... Uh, promote patriotism and American virtues for and white people values exactly. But you got to be you got to be in the right cast for them to care. Yeah. And first lady at the time, Eleanor Roosevelt, she was in the Daughters of the Revolution, and she's like, "Nah, I'm out. Peace out. I resign. I don't like this." So she skedaddled. She kicked rocks from their organization. Um, the Grapes of Wrath was published in 1939, which is a, an important book. Billie Holiday records Strange Fruit, which they mm. say is the first anti-lynching song in the U.S., but I find that hard to believe. I, I think it's the first one that white people knew about, probably. Well, white people knew about, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yeah. But, yeah, man, Strange Fruit. Jeez, get your Kleenex ready. Mm. I remember being a little kid. And like strange fruit and then having it explained to me, like even as you would to a kid of like, yeah, it's bodies hanging from trees. Why? Because they were black and they they probably said something like said, talk to a white person or some bullshit. But it's just because they were black. And you're like, oh, this is America. I see. Um, Batman was first introduced in Detective Comics number 27. <laughs> Uh-huh. And I believe a year prior, I think Superman made his first appearance. So it's interesting how we have these whole, this, what's going on in Europe, very tumultuous rise of fascism, mm-hmm. and how we're getting these superhero characters introduced. Um, the you fir- could also read, um, what is what is The, the Amazing Adventures of Cavalier and Clay. Yes. 
Oh my God. That's so a great good. book. Yeah. That is a great book. The first Little League game was played in 1939. Um, special rest in peace to Hammer and Hank Aaron, who passed away oh. this week. Lou Gehrig gave his first. Oh, and so I say that because the Hall of Fame, like it, it opened in 1939, the Baseball Hall of Fame. And then also Lou Gehrig gave his f- f- famous speech. I am the luckiest man. Oh, God. Yeah, that so, whole thing. I mean, you know, but, just get the tissues out. Yeah. So he passed away from ALS, which they didn't know that it was ALS at the time. But now, like, they know that that's what it was, the degenerative disease. Um, the, okay, because we'll go back on a kind of a high, there's this, this ship called the St. Louis, it was a ship of 907 Jewish refugees, it was denied permission to land in Florida, after it had already been denied permission in Cuba, and, uh, it had to return to Europe, so... Yeah, most of those people ended up dead in concentration camps. Yep. So, good job to us. Um, the top films. So, number five in nineteen. 19- let's, <laughs> let's go to top films. Let's go. Let's go to top. Let's go to top five films. Um, top five films. Number five was The Wizard of Oz. Four was Babes in Arms. Three was Jesse James. Or hmm hmm hmm. Another reference to Kansas. Should I should I tell the story of the Jesse James? It's pretty all right. So when we lived in Kansas, we went on a short field trip because you guys were very good about like taking us to places, and there wasn't a lot of places to go in Kansas. But we went to Jesse James's house in Missouri, St. Joseph, Missouri, St. Right Joseph on the border, right? And so that was the house where uh, the story goes. Jesse James was, you know, chillaxing in his house and he noticed that a picture was slightly crooked and got up to adjust the picture. And that's when he got shot in the head and killed. And at the house, they had the postcards of him in the casket with the hole over his eye. And they had the hole in the wall where the picture frame was. And so, yeah. It freaked yeah. me out. I was eight years old. It freaked me out. My parents could only say, hmm, 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 to re- reference Jesse <laughs> James, because I was so freaked out about yeah. it. It was pretty freaky. I mean, it's it, the postcards of the actual dead body of Jesse James. They, they used to do that back in the day, mm-hmm. take pictures of the dead people so they could remember them. Yeah, so that scarred me. Um, the number two film was Mr. Smith Goes to Washington, and the number one film of 1939 was Gone with the Wind. And so, so, Wizard of Oz wasn't even in the top five. I it was number five. Number five. Yeah. Okay. My final nerd alert involves L. Frank Baum, who was the writer, or Baum, who was the writer of the book that this movie is based on because i i when whenever there's a something in, in your go in your wikipedia page and it says political beliefs and and it's older oh, yeah you always gotta like scroll in and be like all right what are we in for here so he had a newspaper 
And in his newspaper, he was an advocate of the women's suffrage movement. He was really into promoting women's right to vote. Um, Because this is around the late 1800s, early 1900s. So I was like, oh, man, awesome. This guy was into women's right to vote. Just to say, you know, people can have, like, more than one thing can be true. So, okay, kudos to him for that. His view on the first Americans, the original people who occupied this land. No, no. Uh, so here's a thing that you can go Google. Another thing that I meant to go into more research in, but didn't. In 1890, there was the Wounded Knee Massacre, which to just briefly say what happened, 300 Lakota people were murdered by U.S. Army soldiers. And Frank L. Baum, in his newspaper opinion piece, said, quote, the safety of white settlers depended on the wholesale genocide of American Indians. Oh, yeah, he was he was pretty much in the they're savages. We're oh. we're gonna be like we just have to completely get rid of them and kind of like it's for their own good kind of thing. Just just not good, not good at all. In 2006, two of his descendants apologized to the Sioux Nation for what that's worth. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Did the thanks. Sioux Nation go? Um. So you're gonna give us some of that money? <laughs> that right. Guy, like, I mean, okay. Like, at least, like, thanks for the gesture, and you know, what are you gonna do? But I just say that to be like, on one hand, like, ooh, the women's right to vote. Yeah. On the other hand, so that was the American Indians. Who knows what my guy thought of black oh people? God, <laughs> right. Okay. <clears throat> Well, we are two negative reheatables. Well, uh, I, Dorothy's farm skills and tornado skills. Mm-hmm. She seemed like she had no clue what she was doing. Preach. Like, she could see the tornado was coming. Why did she try to, like, scream around for everybody when she came back? Like, you know they're in the storm cellar. Right. Yeah. Um, dancing around the pig pen. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> this doesn't really have anything to do with the uh, movie, but I wrote Sexy Dorothy because I feel like that's like one of the most popular Halloween costumes now. Sexy like, yes, Dorothy. Dorothy. <laughs> Without the corset pushing her boobs. Yeah, I, like nothing was sexy about her in the movie. Like what? Nothing. Why Except she was a young sexy? girl. Yeah. Mm. Um, and then I wrote when they're trying to get to Emerald City and it seems like it's so close and it was, it reminded us of when the first time we went to Vegas and we were downtown Vegas and we could just see like all of, of the strip and that we were like, oh my God, but it's like, we just keep walking. It gets right there. And we walked seven miles and I fractured my foot. (laughs) Damn. Oh, Vegas. Damn. Yeah. Uber? <laughs> no, but it they, wasn't around. It was before Uber. It was before Uber. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's very um, it's like an optical illusion because everything it's the desert, so everything's so flat, and that stuff is so big that when you're downtown, yeah. you think that it's oh, it's just a couple of blocks, no problem. 
And then we just kept going, and we were like, oh, it's got to be there soon. And, like, it was probably before Google Maps would be like, it's going to take you four hours to walk there now. <laughs> well done. Well, my neg- I, I mean, are the munchkins uh, negative reheatable? I mean, they were... I think that those are negative reheatable just in the in the social aspect of what their life was and that you know people see this and then they're always going to be munchkins like yeah, when they're at the yeah. grocery store and in their real life it's like oh that's right. a munchkin that's a munchkin right. and you could see a little kid saying that mm-hmm. you know just in mm-hmm. total innocence oh mommy a munchkin and then yeah yeah, okay. so it's it's more. I don't think it's one of those things where I don't think that it that they were treated improperly and in, as far as their film representation, but it's more of just society. Like yeah, we, okay. it's one of those like we're not we can't. This is why we can't have nice things, kind of thing. Yeah, because they could have been dropped into a, a a community of black people. I mean, you know, it could have been all well. Like it's nineteen thirty nine. Don't get crazy now. <laughs> Like, this is a fantasy, but we're not ready okay. for that fantasy. Um, when the cowardly lion is crying because he's so uh, cowardly, and he says he was born to be a sissy. <laughs> I don't like the word sissy. <laughs> Do you know that his costume was real lion skin? And real yeah. fur, yeah. And they said it reeked. Because he would sweat buckets in there. Oh, God. And they could only, they dry cleaned it, but you could never get. Well, because they, because of how Technicolor is, and I didn't, like, I I briefly mentioned it in Tasty Nuggets. um, But they had to have all of these, they're called arc lights. And they had to have so many that MGM had to outsource and get all the extra ones from all the studios because you needed so much light. So the reason that it looks so great is because they were flooding the soundstage with so much light that it was routinely upwards of 100 degrees. And we were oh talking in... Now, the MGM Studios, which is current day Sony Picture Studios, is in Culver City. So it's on the west side of Los Angeles. So it's not in the valley. We're not talking about Universal Studios or Warner Brothers. But still, in Southern California, like it's already going to be warm. And then the lights made it unbearable. People would just pass out and they would just have stretchers out. They would have to, when it got unbearable, unbearable, they would have to, Victor Fleming would have to shut everything down, turn off all the lights, and open the giant things, the giant doors, and right. just try it so that it would cool down. People just, wow. like, this was not a happy thing to film. It was a lot of work. Yeah. Wow. Okay, well, those were my negatives that that I brought up. All right, I got I got some. So the first one is negative reheatable just because it's on me. It's on my fault. I did not realize until I sat down to watch it this time that this whole thing is a dream sequence. And I've never read the book. So apparently in the book, she actually goes to Oz. I don't know how then, after seeing this movie, however many times I've seen it, I didn't realize that this was basically she was in a coma and dreamed this thing. I thought she actually literally went to Oz. So... 
that I was just well, like, wow. Well, a lot wow. of people did, I'm sure. I'm, I'm sure. I just thought that it I was mean, the that, fantasy. It, well, it, I don't know. What I read, what I saw, she really did go to Oz, but it was her spirit that went to Oz, and Glinda the Good Witch took her there. Oh, oh shit. Oh, I can't wait to I hear more about I am very intrigued about this whole, so I will, I will speed this up. Um... Okay, battery heatable. The death machines that farmers had to use in 1939 when she's singing somewhere over the rainbow. I don't know what it is that she is sitting on, but it is just a bunch of metal wires. And I just kept thinking about how you always heard about farm accidents. And no wonder there's so many one like one limbed and getting limbs caught in everything. I'm like, look at that. That she's sitting on a death machine singing somewhere Mm -hmm. over the rainbow. I believed her in that moment. Um, yeah, she wanted to get away from the death machine. I meant to look up this stuff about turbans because I thought it was interesting when he was with Professor Marvel, how oh, yeah. he put on the turban and it's 1939 and just where did all of that come from the Romany uh, sort of aspect of Europe? It would have to because that the wagon was Romany. Yeah. Um, the the crystal ball, but I. I don't know because a turban is like Indian. Yeah, so I, I would just kind of wonder. Like, I know this is some sort of cultural 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 appropriation, but I don't. I'm and it's going back really far. So this is really deeply ingrained. So yeah, Google at your leisure. Um, we already talked about the the tornadoes. I fully agree with Teeny just like come on have a yeah. little common sense was she just new to kansas yeah you wait and you and you lived in kansas a couple months and you knew you we had to go into that little closet under the steps where the washing machine was yep and pray um okay the wicked witch of the west is all about those ruby slippers mm-hmm. two points first point those ruby slippers do not go at all with her whole attire and motif thing that she's rocking. But they're magic. Okay. True enough. Second point. And you have seen them in person. I have. They're, they're a lot smaller than you would think. They're a lot uh, way worn out. Mm-hmm. They've, they've been road wet Put away hard. I mean, road hard. Road hard. Put away. What? Okay. The second point is the term slipper. I feel like that's a quintessential battery heatable because, you know, when we all think of slippers, we think of something nice, cozy, comfy for our little toesies and feet. Somebody who just got a new pair in the in the mail yesterday. I did. So wearing them right now. Yeah, those did not look comfortable. So I assume that slipper just meant that they were a slip-on shoe. Yeah, that's what I think. And that it has been, as we've just gotten more into being comfy, that slippers has, over time, changed. They were not a peep-toe pump. They were not a peep-toe pump, nor did they look comfy and cozy. In fact, I think they were very uncomfortable for her. Yes. The only time she wore... Oh, tasty nugget. The only time she wore them is when her feet could be seen. Otherwise, she was in comfy shoes. Mm. I mean, you have to think, because rubies 
to be on there, you're not going to have a lot of give. There's not going to be a lot of bend. So that yeah. makes sense. Um, there weren't real rubies that was paste. I don't know about you guys, but I feel that the scarecrow was pretty smart to allegedly not have a brain. Yeah, I agreed. I was trying to, like, figure out what, like, he didn't do anything stupid except fall over some. Right. His yeah. body's made of... Yeah, it wasn't until, um, you know, I've matured that I realized that they had it all along. They didn't need it. She didn't need the wizard to get back home. She just needed to want to do it bad enough. He already had a brain. The lion was already, already had courage when he needed to. And the t- she, you didn't get she, that until now? Yeah, I did. <laughs> Well played, Christine. Well played. Got the look right back at me. Thank you. <laughs> and the balance has been restored. I believe we are even, Steven. Yeah, he, uh, the scarecrow was the one that came up with the plan. And then when, when a new plan arised, he was able to improvise a new plan. Right. So I'm just right. like, wow, he's uh, okay. Because in the farmyard, he's the one that told her, don't go buy her property. Go around her property. Yeah, You don't really have to worry about Toto Bikner. Yeah, but you know, it was it was all a dream. Maybe, maybe not. The colored horses, I was just like, ooh, that dye. But then I found out that it was Jello powder. But then I was like, it's yeah. 1939 Jello powder. So let's not like be like, yeah. oh, it was okay. I don't know. I was just glad that they tried. I was, but it, as we, when we get into the tasting nuggets about the whole makeup stuff, you're just. Like, oh, yeah. And a I lot mean, of nobody was, yeah. Yeah. But it was 1939. Who knew better? Exactly. They were still having real cocaine in Coca Cola. So, have right. yeah. Yeah. Back in the day when life was good, back when America was great. Um, and they had to hurry up and, and film the scenes because the horses would lick the jello powder off. <laughs> Yeah. And my final negative reheatable is, um, you know, that fake snow. And I called it when I was watching it. That was asbestos. asbestos. <laughs> Just yeah. straight up 100%. So I'm like, ooh. Yeah. Well, yeah. Dude, that is a bad reheatable. But we do have some positive reheatables. Mm-hmm. Well, um, go ahead, Christine. Uh, somewhere over the rainbow. Oh Ooh. my god, yes. So good. Um, all of the what is it? Fantasia did uh, a version that's really good. It's a lot, so many good versions out there these days. The special effects. Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know though. Okay, at first Adam had to rewind when the Wicked Witch from. When the Wicked Witch came in the fire because it was so good. And then Tasty Nugget, mm-hmm. she, her elevator that's supposed to take her, take her down got stuck and she got burned all over her face. And they used that take. Mm-hmm. Yes, they did. Crazy. And then they put some kind of antiseptic on her that stung even more with her like second degree well, burns. Her, the makeup that she had on was copper based. It was a oh, copper-based yeah. makeup, and they had to take it off with, I think it was acetone. But then when mm. she had the burns, they couldn't take it off with acetone because they didn't want her, the, the burns to get infected, so they had to use straight alcohol. Yes, yes. 
Yes. And she had to be on a liquid diet when she was in the makeup. Mm -hmm. Because of the toxicity of the copper-based makeup, she couldn't eat. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! Yeah, like they like, and then and like the fact that she was burning, and I imagine it like that's painful, and they kept filming. <laughs> they just like went along with their business. Well, I mean, there's that way to look at it, which yes, but the other way to look at it is like, well, we got to get this take because she's not doing mm-hmm. it again, well, and she did it. Yeah, and it's gold. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah. Blood, sweat, and tears. Um, the Wicked Witch's bike. She had the front basket and the back basket. Yes. Mm-hmm. She could fit all of her things. She's not going to have to wear a heavy backpack to work. It's not going to hurt her back. Mm-hmm. She just, Yeah, she just really had... I mean, and she, we already talked about her dismount. So good. Um, The Wicked Witch's influence on witch culture... I feel like if you're gonna, well, until I feel like up until American Horror Story, when you picture a witch, you picture her. I still picture her. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, now we have the fashion witches, and that's a whole other thing. Yeah, but that, that, like her hat, like oh, you get a witch hat from the store. That's what you get. But then I guess people who consider themselves to be real witches. And I don't know much about that community, so uh, apologize in advance. But I guess maybe they would say that that was sure a negative. negative for yeah. Them. And, but, but, eh. but they had Glenda. And, and you're a witch. It's going to be an uphill battle. Yeah. yeah. And uh, being a witch is something you can choose to do. Yeah. Ooh. Well. I don't want to make that assumption I, I don't know. for all the maybe witches out there. Well, okay, maybe, <laughs> but you can pass for normal. Uh, you, look at you digging again. What is normal? Oh, You're my just, God. oh You're my. Witches out here. Oh, you, but, uh, great. We've been canceled by the witch community. I apologize. Would that be perfect? <laughs> <laughs> Um, like six six of our 13 listeners are witches and we've now completely alienated them awesome uh i put toto exposing the wizard Mm -hmm. yes i mean toto well i'll get yeah yeah those are my positives i mean also just the influence of the movie on everything like yeah there's so many spinoffs and movies and plays and musicals and books. And yeah. we were watching The Sopranos the other day and it kept playing. There's the episode of every time Tony's having these like uh, dreams or he's at Atlantic City or something, it's playing the wicked or the one of the songs from the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and everywhere. They, yeah. You sent us the meme of Bernie being oh, the yeah. <laughs> wizard. This <laughs> hilarious. Yeah. So cute. Okay, well, mine, uh, I wrote down at the end when, um, spoiler alert, when Dorothy throws water to stop the Wicked Witch from setting the Scarecrow on fire and gets water on her and she's melting, she says, you cursed brat. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That was my fave. Is that your reheat your good reheatable? Yep. All right. I have 
again, but a different bent on her, the bike riding witch, which is, <laughs> see what I did there? The <laughs> what, just, she was terrifying riding a bike. I yes. thought she was so scary <laughs> yeah, riding was. a bike. It was the scariest I've ever seen of somebody riding a bike. And, also, and the music really helped. The music also helps. And also, okay, my dad growing up would always say, the, the, so whenever there was something with, Mama, you tell it. So whenever something with finances came up and, and we needed more money, Poppy would do... Do to do to do 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 to do. No, no, he would go dun 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 dun. And that would mean get on your bike and go to Seven Eleven and get a second job. Every time. Oh well, so we heard a lot of dun 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 dun. We did indeed. It just it eventually just became dun 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 dun, which just meant get a job. <laughs> my mom used to sing that tune all the time too yeah but i don't know why she was just terrified she would when this movie would come on and the wicked witch and the monkeys would come she would run out of the room <laughs> i don't really that's yeah uh, okay my next one is it made me think there was this time okay when dorothy you know when she has the <laughs> teeny's opening a wine bottle it's hilarious <laughs> She's got it on the floor. <laughs> well, somebody broke our wine opener. I won't say who, but it wasn't anybody in this room. <laughs> so. Uh oh. Wait, you're leaving him alone for one night. Your electronic one? Yeah. The one that I gave you? Mm -hmm. oh. Yeah, sounds like your son broke it. So. It, well, that is not a surprise. <laughs> Sounds about right. Destructo hey. boy, remember Destructo boy? Tell him. Dun, 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 dun. One night I had to work <laughs> until midnight at work. Wow. Nah, get it. Better get on his bike. Go get a new one. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell him. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> um. Okay. So when the, the the whole like Dorothy running away with Toto, it reminded me. I was living at home, so I was in high school, I think. Yeah, I was in high school, and it was around Christmas time, and I discovered that our family dog, Sparky Sebastian Bush, had, I discovered a quarter of a $100 bill, which meant that Sparky had eaten the other three-fourths of that bill, and it wasn't mine. I think it was my brother's. It was somebody else's, and I discovered it, and my first instinct was I looked at him, and I'm like, great, we have to run away now. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, like, in my mind, picturing, like, getting out, like, where's my handkerchief? I had a hot pink handkerchief. I'm like, let me get the broom and start packing up. And But I didn't because I was like, no. You're you're not going to make it out in that world by yourself right now. So I had to go and I had to and I oh I I just got the waterworks cuz I was like don't don't kill our dog. Don't 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 like make us get rid of this dog, but just the fact that she knew that she had to run away with Toto, I did, I felt the same way. And I had that instinct as well of just that looking. He loved to eat money. No, he loved. He loved. I mean, a, tw it. a full $20 bill came through his digestive system. 
I washed it and reused it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that $100 bill, man. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I love the tornado journey. I think that's one of the reasons why I thought that it was real, because just how they did the back projection and how they had the yeah, people going cool. through it. I thought it was so cool. Um, and I heard that it was a ni- it was a nylon stocking was the tornado. Oh, it was muslin. Oh, okay. It was made out of muslin. I have that in my uh, Tasty Nuggets. Um, the color, every time they open the door, it's just such... Yeah. Like, I still... Even... It was like, wow. It's just yeah. wow. A wow moment. Yeah. Um, we already said it when the house drops and how the feet curl up. How that... That's the scariest thing to me. Not the flying monkeys. No. It's just her stockings creeping up. The munchkin hairstyles... Did the yes. bad witch make them cut their hair into that way? Because I was just laughing at all the different hairstyles. And then did they really, were, the, were those wigs? Or were they really going out to those bars in West, in Culver City, getting drunk with those <laughs> hairstyles? Like those haircuts. Go back and look at the haircuts that the munchkins are rocking in munchkin land. It's wild. <laughs> it, is, it is pretty wild. The lollipop well, guild might have been happening there. <laughs> the lollipop guild always cracks me up how they have their hands I in their pockets. The makeup, how the makeup just still holds up even though it was toxic and Oh my god, and like the scarecrow, like it didn't just look like he looked like he was a scarecrow. Yes. He did. I w- I kept looking for the line between his skin yeah. and the and the burlap bag it's because it wasn't because it. it was a whole thing that they like they glued to his face he and he like well that's some tasty nuggets um the wizard when he's the wizard's crying i love that because you know i i i got the waterworks that can get going so i was like look at those and then <laughs> my family makes fun of me because i can make oh, tears yeah, shoot out <laughs> and so like just seeing that i was like haha um the red bow in the lion's hair after he went to the groomer, it just made me laugh because they, they just, I don't know what it is about groomers that they always got to put like some sort of bow or kerchief <laughs> on. Adam would take it off as soon as Sparky got I know, got but I love it so much. I do. Like it for the dogs too. Mm-hmm. I love the bandana. I didn't like the bow. Like one time they put a bow on him. I didn't like that, but I love the little bandana. I thought it was so yep. adorable. Mm-hmm. They were always whatever holiday was close. Mm-hmm. Halloween. Well, do you want to know what now? Yeah, Chandler got a 4th of July one one time. However, I got Tommy a special bandana for Christmas. And Adam took him on a walk wearing it. And he said he got back and the bandana was missing. So he had to ride his bike all around his birthday. Went and find the bandana because he knew I would be mad. Yeah, because I was I would be sure that he did it on purpose. It's a custom bandana. You can't. Yeah. Oh wow. That's, That's funny. Wow. I like how George Cooker came and told Judy Garland, all right, just act natural. So everything they were seeing in The Wizard of Oz is Judy Garland acting natural. And that is why <laughs> she is a gay icon, people. <laughs> like, she, <laughs> like that's her acting natural. But she, she, she had the innocence and the, and the, 
Uh, yeah, she's amazement. A, she's a, a drama queen. She's just that young, kid. Yeah. She 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 sold me. And so my final great reheatable is that the walk, the yellow brick road walk is my second favorite walk of all time in the Aaron Bush Walk of Hall of Fame. I love that like sometimes in my mind if I'm happy or sometimes just doing it myself, I'll do the little yellow brick road skip. But so now you're wondering, right? What's the number yeah. one? What could be your number one? The number one greatest walk of all time, as far as I'm concerned, is the George Jefferson walk. Oh, okay. The yeah, George the Jefferson only... is the yeah. greatest walk of all yeah. time. Yeah. Google it. You're welcome. You will be delighted. <laughs> I love it. I love just channeling it. There's some times where you just, it's just the in your head meme. And he's doing the walk. It's well, great. we're moving on up. It's just great. He gets his little arms going. It's all in the arms. So I, I'm a, I pay attention to walks. Yellow Brick Road walk, number two. Yeah. In fact, I was looking at it going, you know, I can skip, but not necessarily on the beat of the music. So yeah. I don't know that I could have done her Yellow Brick Road skip, but it was adorbs. Mm-hmm. Okay, quotables. You cursed brat. Others? Um, Auntie M. Oh, and Auntie M is talking to, what's her name? Gulch? Mrs. Gulch? Yes. Oh, my. Right. About Toto. And she said he's really gentle with gentle people, that is. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Um, I don't know why I put this down. Who needed the brains? The scarecrow? Yes. Yes. I think I just like the way he said, I don't know. He said, I couldn't say. And I guess he said that really funny. Mm-hmm. Just, I couldn't say. Could he give me some brains? Um, hearts will never be practical until they can be made unbreakable. <gasps> oh, wow. That's profound. Mm-hmm. But it means that it's, like never gonna happen because you're never gonna have right. an unbreakable heart. Yeah. And then, of course, there's no place like home. Yes. There's no place like home. Erin, quotables. Well, I think we have the whole, you know, the famous ones. The Toto. I don't think this is Kansas anymore. Yeah. I'll get you my pretty and your little dog too. The amount of times that my dad says, "I'm gonna get you and your little dog too." I mean, mm-hmm. just when I was home for Christmas. Easily over 20 times he said that to me. He does get a phrase stuck in his head. Um, But I used to call my little, I used to call my little students, my pretty. I used to call them that all the time. They they didn't ever connect it with. Oh, wicked witch. Yeah. You cursed brat. Like, I'll pay attention, no, like, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Like, it still makes, that still makes me laugh. Um, And then when the witch dies, like, you said it, like, yeah, you little brat. But I like how she's like, what a world, what a world. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, that's her last dying. (laughs) It's like, it it just made me laugh because it's just so... It's like, yeah, but it it really is. <laughs> yeah, and she's coming to terms with that. And she's 
like maybe yeah maybe you shouldn't have had a bucket of water out if you know the water's gonna kill you i don't know just just an idea here just say it and then one of my favorites was the lion when he said and i got a permanent just for the occasion And his, his, his mane was so... It, was, you know, it had the bow in it. It was like perfectly coiffed. So like, Louis XIV. Oh, yeah. He would have been like, stay away from the water. Do not do not come near me. I have the permanent in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I wondered, like, oh, did his scout burn as well? Does Oz have some <laughs> sort of magical, no lie sort of hair straightening oh uh, not that i, I always be... wanted erin to be a, a lion for for halloween because she had a beautiful lion mane yeah i, I did but then it, the kids would run away from me and call me a lion and they, they're like oh you're a lion like you know it yeah those kids kids little brats cursed brats cursed now yeah now i'm like no this is my natural hair why should i conform to your european beauty standards <laughs> i wish you had said that when you were eight yeah i did uh, no okay. <laughs> lvp mine was that bitch mrs gulch mm, yeah <laughs> Tell us how you really feel. Do you know that that bike couldn't have hurt that bad? That dog was so small. Yeah. yeah. And you know that, like, she's showing up later on in a Karen and Georgia episode of My Favorite Murder because it finds out that, like, she's killing all these men. Mm-hmm. Yep. And she had all that, all that fabric between her and the... Oh, what, did he go up under her dress? Yeah. Right now. She's wearing all them petticoats and whatnot. And those boots, didn't they wear like the boot, like that they were heeled boots and they went up over the ankle and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. How yeah. did Toto even, I, I don't buy it. She's just being a bitch. You're right. Exactly. Yeah. My LVP is the wizard sending them back out knowing that he couldn't grant any of their wishes anyway. And he sent them back out into harm's way, the wicked witch. True. Oh my gosh, I think I just came up with who I think my real LVP is. Okay, sorry. So my first honorable mention would be um, that Dorothy, the Tin Man, the Scarecrow, and the Cowardly Lion are now apparently contract killers. Did yeah. <laughs> like, well. he went to the, they went to the wizard. The wizard was like, bring me the witch's body. They go out, they deliver the witch's body to him. I'm like, wow, they're they're now killers for hire. Congratulations. My other honorable mention was the three guards when the the coward when the three of them that needed everything, when they get they the guards come upon them and they like those guards must have been the most useless, worthless guards ever, because those three defeated them and took all of their, you know. Uh, and the cowardly lion was able to walk in with his tail coming out of the coat yeah but then you know mm-hmm. i guess you find out like they didn't really have their heart into it because as soon as she was dead they were like thank you we hated her but in in this whole thing um i kind of think maybe is it glenda the lvp of this because at the beginning he shows up and it's like, oh, well, you need to follow the yellow brick road. 
And but then she could have gone home right there. Exactly, because all she needed was the ruby slippers, and they say there's no place like home. So she's just watching it. So, like, I, I for her amusement. That's just I did an audible, and I'm very excited to hear more. Wait till you hear this. Mm-hmm. I can't wait. Okay, but we're to MVP right now. I'm gonna jump in and say my MVP is Toto. Mine too. Oh. I knew it would be. He was so good. She was so good. When it, when she was like, even in the beginning, like when she just kept trying to shake Dorothy's hand, like <laughs> she was just so good. So cute. Mm-hmm. So cute. Well, my- and I mean, really, talk about a ride or die, like. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah. ride or die. That is, yes, that is true. But my three, I have three co MVPs, and that's Ray, Jack, and Bert. They were the ones that played the Scarecrow, the oh, Tin yeah. Man. They were good. Man, the Bert, like the the Scarecrow, his his fluidness, and uh-huh. it's, it's in maybe in somebody's Tasty Nuggets, but he was originally gonna play the Tin Man, and then he moved over to the Scarecrow, and it turned out that like his boyhood idol was the guy that originated the scarecrow and i think a stage production and he developed oh. like the wobbly walk and just how fluid in his movement i was just amazed by it the mm-hmm. tin man just like he was so good but my favorite of the three is the cowardly lion and how he's introduced he does this whole like jump thing and it's all one take and you're just like just the physicality of all three of those performers to do what they did in the costumes that they were in the yeah. super heat mm-hmm. and just to just to really just be in character just to pull it off i just keep coming back to the physicality of it but it just i mean the cowardly lion is hilarious to me and it's so funny that he's cowardly because he comes in just he is basically my dad when he is introduced i was just like I, come on, put him up, put him up, put your dukes up. I'll take you all on. <laughs> like, just I was just watching that with like, this is like strong dad energy coming through right here. Wow. And as someone who always needs a tissue close by, he could use his tail for his tissue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> Recasting. Okay, I did two casts. I did, but then I just went with my favorite of my two I did. I did one person. Oh, okay. Do you want to go ahead? Yeah. It was just that I thought Tim Allen would make a good Cowardly Lion. Oh, that is good. Yeah. Wow, that is really good. And that's it. Well, I'm going to go. Because I'm rather happy with mine. Okay. I mean, Dorothy is like, okay. My Dorothy is Sky Jackson. She is a Disney personality. She was on Dancing with the Stars. She looks like a fawn, you know, with these long skinny legs and fragile like. So she could do that. But. Oh, okay. My Scarecrow as you said, needed to be fluid in his movements. Mm-hmm. Usher. Mm. <laughs> uh, my Tin Man, I have Keegan-Michael Key. Oh, that would be good. My Lion. 
Isaiah Whitlock Jr. <laughs> yes. Shit. Yeah. And my wizard is going to probably have to have an NC-17 rating because of his vocabulary. <laughs> Samuel L. Jackson is my wizard. Oh, he would be <laughs> a good wizard. That's good. All right. So my Dorothy, I don't know if anybody else is watching Cobra Kai on Netflix, but I am. And so my Dorothy is Mary Mouser or Moser. I don't know how you say it, but she is Larusa's um, daughter in Cobra Kai. And I'm like, mm, oh yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, she's got, she's, uh, okay, yeah. So then my scarecrow is Ben Wishaw. He was in Fargo. He was the Irish guy that was looking over. Oh, I love him. Mm-hmm. Oh. My Tin Man is Hugh Jackman. Yeah, I can see that. My Cowardly Lion is Andrew Reynolds. Reynolds. He was in Prom. And he's also in Black Monday. And he was also in... Oh, he's in something else. Like, when you see his face, you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen him before. My Oz is Danny DeVito. (laughs) My my Wicked Witch of the West is Charlize Theron. Wow, Mm -hmm. you're bringing some class into this thing oh yeah i went with like this is who i'm casting my glenda the good witch is beyonce Ooh. And there you have it and then i did this other because while i was before we did the podcast while i was doing my meal prep i started watching pretend it's a city on netflix and so oh my God. i went it's so good i went with like you know what i would like to see this is in this is a mescaline casting. That's <laughs> I'll call it. My Dorothy would be Fran Libowitz. Oh my god. And then the scarecrow would be Alec Baldwin. And now I don't know if you are you know this, but Fran Libowitz was also she appeared in Law and Orders as an arraignment judge many times. So for the Tin Man, I'm casting Sam Waterston. <laughs> and then for the Cowardly Lion, I'm casting Andrew Yang just because he's running for mayor now. And I'm like, you know what? He might be able to pull off the Cowardly Lion. And then... You know who else could pull off the Cowardly Lion? Eddie Izzard. Oh, yeah. Eddie Izzard would be really good. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so then in this, like, Doc, um, the Wizard of Oz would have to be Martin Scorsese. So there's my <laughs> pretend it's a city cast of the wizard of oz could you imagine fran lebowitz as dorothy she's like you want me to go where (laughs) first of all she just look at the tornado and go i'm not dealing with you we don't have tornadoes in new york city (laughs) what is this take me back to new york (laughs) you know what i just want to stay here in oz i don't want to go back to kansas (laughs) yes fran would not do well in kansas okay we are two tasty nuggets Okay. All right. Well, are you ready to go on this journey? Take us I on this to. journey. I want to. I am so ready. 
Okay. So. We'll start with Glenda the Good Witch. Um, so the I first watched a YouTube clip, and they were talking about, like, there's a, a couple of films where you go, the main character is, like, this girl, young girl, and then they go to these worlds where there are parallel characters of their life. So they talked about this movie, Coraline and Alice in Wonderland, and, like, there's parallel characters of everyone else in her life. So the three guys on the farm. Um, basically, there's nobody. Glinda the Good Witch is nobody. There is an argument to be made. Some people argue that maybe she's Auntie M. But, like, she's the only one that isn't played by the same actress. Oh. And she's much younger than Auntie M, seemingly. So we don't think she is Auntie M. So she's the only one. What? What if she's her mom? Could she be her mother? Because we don't know what. It's Auntie M and Uncle Henry. Her parents are never discussed in the film. I don't yeah, know maybe. about the movie. And she they're younger. She could be. But not in this. Right. Um. So Glenda the Good Witch is the only one who doesn't have somebody real on the outside world. Um, so I'm sorry if you hear Tommy snoring in the background. That's what that noise is. No, it's okay. Not there, I had a car alarm going on okay. for like the first 20 minutes here. So, <laughs> all right. So the first thing bullet point, and then I looked up an article and said, it's a psychotic bloodbath from the start. So, <laughs> When they first get there, the Wicked Witch of the East dies, and they just start celebrating. Um, they're dancing and singing, and then when the Wicked Witch of the West comes, Glinda, the Good Witch, just starts taunting her about her dead sister. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Takes the only thing that's left of her that rightfully does belong to the Wicked Witch of the East now. And that's the Ruby Red Slippers. And instead of putting them, instead of giving their back, she puts them on Dorothy's feet. Now, she has, like, Dorothy's accidentally murdered the lady's sister. So now it's all on Dorothy. And now the blame is placed on Dorothy, even though it's really, like, Glenda the Good Witch put the shoes on her. Right. Mm -hmm. Then Glenda desecrates the dead witch's body. Like, if things weren't bad enough. Mm-hmm. Glenda shifts the blame to Dorothy. Um, after the Good Witch, you heard that? <laughs> yes. Yeah, she's like really out. Uh, <laughs> I love um, it. So after the Good Witch royally pisses the Wicked Witch off, she goes and tells Dorothy how mad she made her. The Wicked Witch does. Yeah. Which clearly is like a sign of a serial killer. Like this woman's able to be like, no, this is the girl you want to be mad at. I'm like, don't blame me. I'm not the one. So then her plan is all like set in motion because the Wicked Witch is mad at Dorothy now. So now Glinda tells Dorothy to leave Munchkinland and go find the wizard. He's the only one that could get her home. However, all along... Glenda could have gotten her home right then right, by right telling her, mm -hmm. click your shoes. 
Um, but she knew that the wizard would make Dorothy go get the broom from the Wicked Witch and prove that she's dead. So Dorothy does the dirty work. Contract killers. Mm-hmm. Glinda covers her lies with more lies. Instead of just telling her she could get home from the beginning, um, she just was like, oh, you wouldn't have believed me. So in the end, she becomes the supreme power. Yeah. She gets all, like, Dorothy and her friends to do all of her bad bidding. And there's a scene where, like, when they're in the hot air balloon and it gets released, (laughs) it's zoomed in on the tin man just untied he clearly just like unties it <laughs> and they're like why would he do that and he's you know she's pressuring him to do it glenda the good witch is mm-hmm. she comes out of nowhere how like she was there spying on them the whole time so yeah basically glenda is the the evil one is what we read so now she's gotten but the wicked witch is out of the way the Good Witch of the South locked away the, in the Good Witch's basement. Now Glinda has power all over not only Munchkin Land, but Emerald City as well. Damn. Now she's the all-powerful being. Is, is, so I, I was supposed to read the book Wicked for a book club, but I couldn't get into it because it was so weird. Is, is that the plot of Wicked? I was, because I, know, I think Wicked is about the Wicked Witch of the East background and how she got there the one that got hit by the house one of the wicked witches okay i don't know i think the wicked is about the wicked witches background like the east and west background yeah Yeah. but then it's like glinda was sisters with them or best friends with them i don't don't know i don't know either i'm diverging into a whole different Either way, Glenda's the bad, the bad one in this. Yeah, and yep. in the book, she's Glenda, the quote unquote, after what we've just learned, good witch of the South. In the book, she's the mm-hmm. witch of the South. She's not the good witch of the North. And I oh, can't help ouch. but think that I couldn't really look up. Like I ran out of time to look up and see why they changed it i have a suspicion on why they changed it and like the good witch needed to be the north but it still kind of tracks with what teeny said even if you move it to the north how then oh my gosh mind's blown (laughs) she has all the people do her bidding and then make her yeah. out to be like, oh, no, I'm the North. Mm-hmm. I'm the good. I'm the, you know. And I mean, did you see the size of that crown she was wearing? Yeah. You know, wears a crown that big if you don't want to be all in charge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the dress. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, yeah. My other fun facts. I didn't, I mean, I'm sure maybe somebody else has more about the guy in the 60s who compared it to the silver standard it's really hard to i tried to read that and it went over my head but it's like the yellow brick road equals the gold standard Mm -hmm. and in the book the silver the shoes were silver they weren't ruby slippers so the silver shoes represent the silverite 16 to 1 silver ratio oz is named because gold and silver are measured in ounces and oz is 
else. Oh, wow. Dorothy is the middle of America and like farming state. Over state, yeah. Thin Man is industry and Scarecrow is agriculture. Oh my God. Wow, you went farther than I got. Yeah, it's really hard to understand. I don't get it all, but then... Oh, yeah. Apparently, this teacher in the 60s, though, was having a hard time describing this time in history, like right before the 1900s, to his class. And so he used the Wizard of Oz book to describe this. And, like, those were the overarching themes that he pointed out. But then, Mm -hmm. like, as they read it, his students kept picking out more things that were like, oh, and this represents this and whatever. Oh, cool. Mm -hmm. Then... When we were watching it, so Adam just watched the Lord of the Rings trilogy, and which uh, we were going to have a guest, special guest appearance. Yeah. Okay, our guest seems to have fallen asleep, but he (laughs) told me. So we were watching this, and Adam kept saying, oh, my God, this is just like Lord of the Rings. Um, So I, like... I don't know. There's probably someone out there who knows Lord of the Rings. So Dorothy is Frodo Baggins. Yeah. Ruby Slippers are the ring. Mm -hmm. Toto is Sam. Whatever. So then Lord of the Rings was started, what is his name? J.R.R. Tolkien. Tolkien, yep. Wrote it. He began writing it in 1937 and didn't finish until after World War II. Mm-hmm. So oh. it is totally possible that he read the book and saw the movie and basically just copied all of The Wizard of Oz. I know that one of my favorite people is obsessed with Lord of the Rings and not only did I has a Lord of the Rings tattoo went to see all of the films because when we were in college is when they it was coming out and not only have I seen all of the films in the theater I've also watched all of the extended cuts <laughs> yes I am by no means a scholar but I definitely can see the parallels between these two things although Mm -hmm. i will in the name of friendship stop short from saying that J.R.R. tolkien ripped off the wizard of oz just for the name just for future thanksgivings that is evan Evan, we are we are with you this is this is christine saying these things not (laughs) i um there so one of the things that i find fascinating are abandoned theme parks they're just creepy yes so there is one called the land of oz in beach mountain north carolina and it opened in 1970 and closed in 1980 after a fire i believe Ooh, fire Um, but yeah it's all intertwined but mgm held an auction in 1970 of a bunch of wizard of oz things and so the guy spencer robbins who opened the theme park he purchased some he used he had like a twenty five thousand dollar budget and so he used some of that to purchase some things including dorothy's blue gingham dress oh wow Uh, and carrie fisher even went there for the ribbon cutting because her mom is debbie reynolds debbie reynolds who was in the movie 
right? Or something. Why did she get... <laughs> well, Debbie Reynolds... <laughs> Why did she... I'm trying to figure this out because Debbie wasn't in the movie. She might have been she wasn't. up for the movie. She was. But I don't remember she slept why there. She came into why it was a thing. Carrie Fisher wrote that. Well, Debbie Reynolds collected a lot of Hollywood memorabilia. That's what it was. So oh. I think Debbie Reynolds had some of the memorabilia, and then Carrie Fisher, whatever. Either way, Carrie Fisher went to this ribbon cutting mm-hmm. ceremony of this amusement park. Um. There was a fire and the dress went missing after the fire. Mm. Interesting. But now it opens in the fall. Every autumn, it opens for autumn at Oz. And you can go. You can go now. Well, Um, hopefully. Well, yeah, with a mask on and six feet between you. Yeah. It seems to be mostly outside, so they're probably fine. Um, <laughs> and it's North Carolina. <laughs> yeah, they've been open. They never closed. Uh, I'll save all of the makeup stuff for you. But you talked about when the lion's entrance when he came, mm-hmm. Garland kept laughing whenever the lion would come, and so the director uh, slapped her, like pulled her off stage and slapped. So that she wouldn't laugh anymore. But then he felt bad and he told the crew to punch him in the face. And she was like, it's fine. Yeah, but then then you're like, I mean, it just goes into the whole like, are we surprised by what happened to Judy Garland? No. I mean, she was so abused. (sighs) Called her a fat little pig. Yes. She wasn't pretty enough. She wasn't, yeah, so many things. She was only allowed to eat chicken soup, black coffee, and cigarettes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And take the pills. Well, wait a second. Yeah, Do you want Okay, so she's she's a kid. She's in the studio system. She's going to school. So it's not regular school where there's a whole bunch of different people. And, you know, you have the, right. all the there's different. Tutor. Guess who she was in class with? Mm-hmm. And, and let me tell, when I read these three names, you tell me if you wouldn't have a bit of a complex. She was in school with Lana Peepto's Pump Turner. Oh, holy shit. Ava Gardner. Oh, wow. Google Ava Gardner images. And Elizabeth Taylor. Those were her female classmates. Of course she was the black sheep. And and Louis B. Mayer referred to her as his little cunchback. Keep in (gasps) mind, keep in mind, Judy Garland at the time looks like her like she's fine she's not lana turner elizabeth taylor ava gardner like nobody is except for None those three women could have, been, could have been dorothy but at the time she is the biggest box office draw like she right. is a more successful actress but yeah right. you're in school with these three women and the guy and also didn't we've done this before with louis b mayor he like exposed no he didn't he somebody no, somebody he, he exposed himself to Shirley Temple and she laughed. Right. Was it Louis? Yeah. I thought it was just somebody. We didn't know a no, name. We didn't I, thought, know who, uh, I, thought. I thought we had a name, but maybe we, you can listen to the Shirley or Temple no, podcast. Say allegedly, we'll allegedly, say allegedly yeah. and, and, and go to that podcast because we say who it was in there. I think it was the same guy because I knew how bad he treated 
Judy Garland, but allegedly anyway. Pretty sure that's why Shirley Temple didn't get the part. Exactly. And he called her my little hunchback. And when we did Meet Me in St. Louis, we talked about Mm -hmm. how they would have to put things in her nose to make her nose. Like, so, like, I didn't know that she went to school with those three women. And, like, that just adds an extra layer. Because you can have... The most self-confident, like I'm pretty, like I'm just like secure in how I look, you know, but everybody has their thing. But you put me next to Charlize Theron, Beyonce, Halle Berry, I'm going to feel a certain way. You just, you just are. Yeah, You're just going to yeah. be like, oh, wow. And you and, yeah, you with Charlize Theron, uh, Beyonce, and uh, Halle Berry. Yeah, hi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm good. I'm good. Well, I know when they were talking, like, she, they were saying that they would make put them to sleep with sleeping pills and then mm-hmm. wake them up with amphetamine and make them work for 72 hours straight. Mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah, that's what at I 16. That's what they would do. It and sounds like college to me, but I know, but that's what that's showbiz a lot. That's why so many showbiz people because. You have to get up for the show, so you need an upper, and then you're on the upper, and you need to come down, so you got to take the downer, and then you got to get back up for the show. You got to take the uppers, so that's why people get hooked on these pills yeah, and stuff. Because your normal biorhythms are totally fucked. I mean, yeah. they're only dependent on pharmaceuticals. And take into account who goes into the arts, like people who have feelings and feel are drawn to the arts so already yeah already you're talking about people who like wear emotions on their sleeve have emotions have empathy really feel because that's what you need to be a great actress actor you need to be able to feel other people's pain and then then you need to be able to turn the pain off and you can find a pill that'll turn the pain off and then a pill that'll turn the pain on then you drink a little alcohol with it and it only intensifies it and you're you know, you're happy with who you are and where you are until you wake up. Over that rainbow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Oh. All right. So, Ma, do you have reheatable or tasty nuggets? I do. Or, Teeny, did you, is that all the tasty nuggets you have? Um. Yeah. Well, feel free okay. to jump in with the makeup if we miss something. Okay. So, I have the coat of the, of the wizard. Mm-hmm. So that was the guy who had the uh, 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 professor. What's his name? Marvel. So they wanted it to have been a coat at one time that was a fine, finely made um, garment with good fabric and well stitched and everything, but that has been worn to death. So it was it was a quality coat, but it had been worn out. Mm-hmm. So they went to um, secondhand shops around Los Angeles and they found the perfect one. And as dude, who whatever his name was, the wizard, was feeling in the pockets, he, he found something that said, this coat was made for L. Frank Baum, the who was author. the author. Oh, of, wow. Yeah, the Wizard of Oz. Oh, my God. I, I know. I think that's a great story. I don't know if I believe it, though. That sounds like some MGM publicity department that's very to me. possibly. Because that's like, oh, my God, full circle. Yeah, like, was he ever in Los Angeles? How did this? I, I don't know. 
well, there you go. Um, many of the witches' scene scenes were trimmed or deleted because they were just too scary. Damn. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, I already told you about, uh, the, the little people, um, they were the singing midgets from Europe. The singing little people or were they called the singing, they they were were called called the the singing singing midgets. midgets. Yeah, that's. At that time they were called the singing midgets. They got $50 a week. They, their voices were not used. They, uh, professional people came in and dubbed their voices. Yeah, you could tell that because they they pitched them up higher and sped it up. Like if you listen right. to something, how everybody like the chipmunk voices. Yeah, but again, many of them were able to stay and didn't have to go back to Hitler Europe, which is good because uh, if they were on a boat trying to get refugee status, then exactly. Florida was like, you got to kick rocks. They so. would have gone back. Judy Garland's corset was used to flatten her chest. Oh. Um, Yeah, it was very uncomfortable. I mean, and it couldn't completely flatten it. She was 16, and she had a little, a tiny bit of meat on her bones. Yeah, she wasn't a waif. No. Um, And I did look, because I'm petty, (laughs) that sometimes the costume looked a little tighter than other times, but, you know. Uh, the ruby slippers are in the Smithsonian. Judy Judy Garland wanted to adopt Toto after the film, <gasps> but the owners love Toto too. Yeah, yeah. Scary. I mean, like, look, this dog just did this movie. I'm not giving him yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so she wasn't able to. Originally, it was a full two hours. Mm-hmm. In length, and they had to delete like twenty minutes of it. Probably, I mean, the I always, like we said last week. I always thought it was about four hours long. Yeah, but it was a delightfully lengthed movie. When we watched it last night, I was like, "Oh my god, wow!" I guess the commercial because I've never seen it without commercials. Right, it really we, moves. We got to the mm-hmm. Emerald City way before I thought we should be in the Emerald City mm-hmm. the first time. Me too. It's on. It's a movie. It's a great example. Of a movie that doesn't have anything extra that you don't need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just yeah. the whole movie is a great reheatable. It's like what we said at the beginning of this, how teeny you didn't, you were just like 1939. And it's, and it's just interesting to see. Yeah. Like it still really holds up. It does. Yeah. It does all the way through. So are you done with your tasty nuggets? I am indeed. Okay, so I'll come back to that last. Okay, the scarecrow, like for some of the makeup. So the the mask, it was, um, they did, this was one of the first times the Jack Daw, Don, was the makeup artist. And this was one of the first movies to use foam latex, which now everybody does. But, oh you know, at the t- at, this is 1939. So he's really a, a pioneer of this. Yeah. I didn't think latex was around in 39. And that's kind of part of the, like, when we we're saying, like, oh, 1939, you know, trial and error. Think about when you're cooking things and how you're like, ah, all right, well, I, I know not to do that next time. So we're talking about the infancy of like makeup stages. And that's why oh, so yeah. much stuff of this was toxic. Like the yes. scarecrow's mask, it was basically like a rubber bag. Like they took molding of his face and they put like a rubber bag. So he would basically get this rubber 
latex glued to his face and oh, God. thinking I would just have to and hope then you think of the heat you think of the heat you just think of the chemicals and how you know hopefully over technology they're like oh this is actually toxic so let's replace it with this and just how science comes in to just make more breathable because also that mask was completely unbreathable for the skin Ugh. and one of them I forget who it was said like you don't realize how much you breathe through your skin until yeah. you can't it's and how hot and it's blocked off so that means like he couldn't sweat and when he would get the the you know like putting it on they said that like their makeup it would take about an hour and now you hear stories about people being eight hours in the makeup chair right. and putting yeah. it on but that was just an hour but it, it wasn't he would like the specifically the scarecrow guy he would be in the chair he wouldn't mind it because he would be looking at the racing forms or the horse racing and picking out his races to submit um but it was after the peeling off the glue uh, and oh, peeling well, it off yes. and when by the time they finished because this was a pretty long shoot it it um i think it was like a six month shoot and the the extras and the pickups when they, he took it off he had like permanent lines around his mouth and <gasps> stuff from because i think of when you had your surgery when you were six going on seven and the one person who had put gauze on your entire thigh and then put that tape on your entire thigh oh, and yeah. somebody else coming in going, why did they do this? They don't have to do this. They don't have to, because you had to use acetone to get the, the goo from the tape off. And that's 1986. Yeah. 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 I remember that. I remember the most painful thing of that whole ordeal, a puncture wound that got infected and I had to have surgery. The most painful part of that was the tape coming off of my leg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that one nurse was so mad at whoever had done it before because she had done, she had way over taped you. So I know because I slept in the vinyl chair yeah, she always brings this up. She it's funny how she didn't bring up the the last part. She slept in it, and as soon as I woke up from the operating room, my first words out of my mouth were, "Where's my dad?" N yeah, I've never heard the end of that. He was on TDY, temporary duty, putting a food, putting a roof over our head, so you didn't have to da 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 da. da. <laughs> But, but no, he wasn't ever around when you were in surgery. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I believe that would be very stressful. Highly stressful situation. Um, so the guy that played Haley, the guy that played the Tin Man was replaced by, he replaced Buddy Epson. Because yes. Buddy Epson. That's poor so guy. The the Tin Man's original makeup, he Buddy Epson inhaled aluminum powder. Because that was the makeup. And he ended up getting horribly sick in his lungs, like you would from in inhaling aluminum powder. So the guy came in and replaced him. And when they replaced him, they're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. First, we're going to put the, the white uh, oil paint that they use for clowns to just block up all the all your pores right there. Listen to that. Oh, like you, you have to put a whole oil grease paint white on your face to just protect you. And then they changed the aluminum powder to a paste. 
and um, still aluminum. Yeah, it's still but it's aluminum. A amount of powder. Yeah, he didn't get any sort of lung infection or anything, but he did get an eye infection that caused. Oh, yeah, man. he got an eye infection and he had to have surgery that saved his vision and stuff. And so, oh my know, god, stuff was I shut didn't down. Read that anywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- that makeup was. Also, poor buddy, buddy Epson. Mm-hmm. Yes, that sucks. But you can still hear him because in it's only in the solo songs that they read, you know. Oh, yeah. They used his... But yeah. you, if you... I And I haven't gone back to hear it, but apparently Buddy Epson had a very Boston accent, so he didn't pronounce the R's. So, like, in Wizard. So, when you listen uh, to all of them singing, you can kind of hear him, apparently, well, because... The was odd. Yeah. Oh, so I saw this interesting picture, picture of him and Shirley Temple. Oh. And later he was in Beverly Hillbillies, so he did okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, he made that nice syndication money. Um, so it's the Codfish she- Ball? <laughs> Never heard of it. Codfish Ball? Codfish Ball, Shirley Temple and Buddy Epson. That had to be Boston. Yeah. Codfish. <laughs> Oh man! So it filmed from night from October nineteen thirty eight to March nineteen thirty nine. The process, the color that is three strip Technicolor. So this is process four of Technicolor because if you if you're a long time gone with the Bushes listener, you know that Technicolor they were putting tints on black and white films a long time ago. Remember when we did the uh what was that that emperor movie and how it had the blue tint yeah emperor jones how it had a blue tint we would watch all these old black and white movies and you would see the different tints that they use so they were fooling around with color this is considered process four um this movie is big because 1939 it was everybody says like oh it's the like this is the first time that they use color in movies but they had been using it before and they were going to be using color a lot from 1929 to 1930 but the great depression happened and it kind of put the kibosh on going full color so the special thing and you can read more about it on you know the internet but three strip technicolor it was it became more in fat and in vogue to use because there was no special projection equipment required. And also, nerd alert, it's a subtractive synthesis, not an additive. So, you know, science, science, light and color and what have you. We aren't science girl. Nah. Um, Arnold Giuseppe was the special effects director. And he made the tornado out of muslin cloth. So there was a gantry, which is like a crane. And then you put a rod through it and then like spun it and moved the gantry. It was gantry. so good though. It was. It looked really yeah. good. Like a real tornado from people who knew no real tornado. Yeah. And I already said, did a shout out to Jack Don. All the oil was chocolate syrup. Oh, I wondered wow. about that because they mm-hmm. put it right in his mouth. Yep, it was chocolate syrup. The oh, I hope so. the color transition that happens. So they were gonna do this whole crazy process about hand painting each frame by frame to get the color because uh-huh. you know, like she's in the house, and then 
and this is the the fun oh. thing about making movies is that you have this thing of what you want to do and how do you go about doing it and it doesn't it can be the stupidest thing like they say with the muslin it just has to it just has to play on film it doesn't matter what it is it just has to play on film so the solution to this problem was the set they just painted the inside of the set the sepia tone to match the Kansas. Oh. The dress, that isn't Judy Garland in the dress. That's her uh, double standing in. That dress is also sepia-toned gingham oh. print dress. So it's not even her. So then, you know, they're shooting on the Technicolor thing, but they're in the sepia tone, so it's going to look like the sepia. She, the double opens the door, and you're already in the color, how it, it pushes in and then Judy Garland walks through and that's how you solve that problem. Ah. And it works seamlessly. It's it's like it was meant to be. Like if you made it today, you would still do the black and white when they are in Kansas and the color when she's on her way to Oz. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just magical. Yeah. So MGM sold the TV rights to CBS for $225,000 per broadcast. And the it first aired... That's why it didn't ever show. Well, it first aired in on November 3rd, 1956. So it was 17 years after it came out. So if we're in 20... I think I did like... Because 2021 so new. But I think I did 2020. So then 17 years ago from 2020 is 2003. So it would be like... If we didn't have any of the streaming stuff, instant access, spoiled as we are, if it was like how it was then, Finding Nemo coming up on TV 17 years later and being like, oh. Even in the 70s, okay, even in the 60s, because I was still in high school, it was still like, get all your friends together. The Wizard of Oz is coming on tonight. We're all going to watch it together. I remember that when I was a kid. It was like, yeah, it always came on around Thanksgiving or something. Yep, it came every on year. once a year. And you were like, oh, we got to like the Wizard of Oz comes on. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. To this day. So I was, there was a. That's B- why I was so shocked that it was on HBO Max. Well, it's on HBO Max because, if, I mean, if you get really nerdy and you go down and read on the Wikipedia page about the, because Turner Classic Movies owns it, and so HBO Max uh, has part of Warner Brothers, and so Warner Brothers owns the Turner Classic oh, Aaron, Movies. Oh, you have a new nerd alert voice? Yes. Mm. <laughs> it's based on, like on it. the voice that Adam does to make fun of me. <laughs> I just couldn't believe that it was somewhere to be seen, you know? That it was streaming somewhere. Well, now with all the streamers, because that like if you want to get really nerdy and look at the streamers, um, it's pretty much like studios and what has the catalog. So CBS yeah. All Access is going to be rebranded to Paramount Plus because they're going to have all of the Paramount access. And then Peacock mm-hmm. has all of the Universal. That's why we were able to watch Frankenstein. And so it if you kind of but then it's weird because You'll see movies that when you watch them, it says Warner Brothers, but then somehow the rights went to Universal. You'll see that like with Hitchcock and stuff. And so it gets kind of nerdy. But if you kind of know what studio produced it and who has the rights to it, you can kind of figure out where you might be able to stream it. Just Mm. in a nerdy thing. 
So there's a BBC article by Nicholas Barber that's called The Subversive Messages Hidden in the Wizard of Oz. And he had this quote that said, people will march behind any authority figure who makes a splash, however uh, they, however undeserving they may be. And so you still- Holy shit. Wait. Yeah. that again. People will, yeah, people will march behind any, any authority figure who makes a splash, however undeserving they may be. And so you look at Professor Marvel, he was a con man, he was introduced as a con man, and this is 1939, so that's why we, like, in the Nerd Alerts, we're painting the picture, you're having these fascists come into power, you're having Hitler, who's like, oh, look, I'm about, I'm I'm gonna bring the Autobahn, and I'm gonna make cars and stuff. It's all good. But then he's like, yo, I'm gonna annihilate all of the Jewish population in Europe. You know? I have this really great idea, but I have an even better one. Right. So wait for it. (laughs) And, like, we got our asses kicked in World War One, and we're super poor, but no, look, let's make Germany great again. And, like, that happens. (laughs) So then you have, like, Professor Marvel... And he's he's just a straight up con man. Who does he turn out to be? The Wizard of Oz. And he was only in Oz. And this is only talking about the movie. How he was only in Oz because his hot air balloon came. And he didn't even know how to use the hot air. And he's just. And when he's giving out the medals and stuff. It's just stuff he's finding and making it sound great. It's all bullshit. All bullshit. And everybody's finding it. Yep. And how it's just like. Damn. And then. And Dorothy then gets everybody hails her because, but everything she does is is also an accident. The house right. falls on the witch, and they're like hailing yeah. her like she's great. She was just just grabs a bucket of water. That again, if the water kills you, yeah. why do you have it just a bucket around? Yeah, throws it because it's gonna be on the scarecrow, and that kills the witch, and then she's the hero. So it it it's pretty interesting, just like what the screenwriters were saying and you know you have to that's why you have to look at the context of what's going on in the world and what are they talking about because the guards were definitely nazi-ish marching oh they were totally with their marching and how they they did everything but then then as soon as as she dies they were like yo we didn't even really want to be doing this and it's like then why were you doing it in the first place it's just like when we were in germany the first time and there was a band that that Poppy knew, and they were going, yeah, you know, we're gonna play uh, what the Americans like right now, but if the Russians come in, we're gonna play what the Russians like. We're gonna make our money as as an entertainment band, doing whatever happens to be here. And that's actually the, if you're just a person living, that's the smart play because you realize like there's a whole bunch of, I mean, it's pessimistic, but. It makes sense as far as like putting food on the table for your family. Survival Uber Olive. Right. So my final tasty nugget is so Judy Garland is an icon for gay people. Continues to continue to this day. And I didn't realize, but, and I forgot to write down the date, but it was in June 1969 that the Stonewall uh, uprising occurred in New York, mm-hmm. right? 
Did yep. you know that, that that day was the like the day that that happened? Because that happened at night. But the day that that happened was Judy Garland's funeral. And it had been on oh. TV. And so there is... And in reading it, I'm like, oh, well, you can't kind of take away... Like, you just having that. And apparently, like, Somewhere Over the Rainbow was just playing on repeat. Like, when Whitney Houston died, oh how, like... I will always love you. It was just always on. So Judy Garland dies because she was she was really young. She was 47. So somewhere over the rainbow is just playing over and over again. And the funeral happened at that day. And I'm sorry. I believe that that definitely played a role as far as like even if people weren't huge Judy Garland fans, there's still that somberness of it. And this and then and then that instills like I wish a motherfucker would. And apparently a motherfucker did at Stonewall. <laughs> so I can see, like, feel in a kind of way that makes you want to just fight, like, fuck you and fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so the so this is all having to do with the pride flag and where it comes from. Because Gilbert oh. Baker, he he was serving in the army. So that happened in 1969. And he remembered because he w- he just remembers when she died, how o- somewhere over the rainbow was always playing. And then in his mind, he it's also with the Stonewall riot because they happen at the same time. Mm-hmm. So in his mind, like somewhere over the rainbow and Stonewall, it is in his head. And so he was serving in the army from 1970 to 1972, and he was stationed in San Francisco. And then at that time, Harvey Milk, he became the, I think he was the first openly gay um, person to like hold off like political office in San Francisco. And it was a really big deal. And Harvey Milk asked him to create a symbol for the gay community. And so Gilbert Baker, he just, he just kept thinking about somewhere over the rainbow and the Stonewall thing. And oh wow, yeah. So when you like the, the, so the pride flag has something to do with somewhere over the rainbow and you can kind of see wow. see it it's like you know because it's a rainbow flag yeah and people and like i was reading this whole thing about judy garland the gay icon and how you know gay people like the men they really because of all the drama that she went through and all, and especially like in the Wizard of Oz, like she's in Kansas, it's black and white. And then she goes to the big city and how she comes across like the cowardly lion. And he's like, as you said, a sissy. And but she doesn't think anything of it. And she's like completely accepting. And so just all of the things that kind of went into making her this icon and somewhere over the rainbow and like what that song means. And then you tie oh. and then because I was always like, why is the flag this rainbow? And that is why. Wow. Well done. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. We brought we brought the Wizard of Oz to the rainbow flag. And and it ties up loose ends. Yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. That does make more sense. And there was other things yeah. that went into it, but of course. It you're just like oh oh okay yeah and the guy that d- designed it was like yeah I was I remember like those things happening and I just kept thinking like somewhere over the rainbow and I'm just saying Judy Garland in black pantyhose with a uh, a tuxedo jacket 
uh, come on. Who could not get behind that when she would sing? I mean, yeah, who can I get behind? Just Judy Garland going up against being in school with Ava Gardner, Liz Taylor, Lana Turner, and just and and still just being like just singing her little heart out and just being a star. But yet people not accepting her. From what from what I have seen, she had quite a stage mother as well Mm -hmm. who was not great about her. I mean, whatever it took to be an, a film star was what, I mean, if she had to break all her teeth and have them all replaced, if she had to have liposuction, what, which wasn't around then, but they would have done yeah. it on her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I mean, apparently, whatever it took. Apparently her father was gay and I didn't get to go into that, but it just kind of mentioned it briefly in the icon of like, yeah, Judy Garland's father was gay. And you're just like, Oh, okay. I had not heard that, but but that does bring everything around full circle. And she married at least one gay man, so <laughs> if not more. Well, her, you think her her pool of candidates was she was in theater, so the arts. So yeah, a lot of her prospects probably would have been gay or bisexual. And like you said, with her mother, it wasn't exactly like she had a steady foundation to then exactly. be able to navigate exactly. the crazy Hollywood studio system. Right, because she was she was making mama rich, so yeah. you know, keep those Benjamins coming. Wow, I think we did a really good job. Yeah. yeah. And so next week, not on me. Not on me. Oh, I guess it's on me. Well, I guess I was a little quiet in the recasting because I already knew. I was like, guys, why don't we continue to ease on down the road? Are we doing The Wiz? 1978, The Wiz. It's oh my the, god! It's the beginning of February. It might not be February yet. Well, yeah, it was a little early, but February, Black History Month, The Wiz. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. I'm. I, I, that will be fun because we can compare and contrast. I thought so. I was just like, man, Diana Ross, and we're able to rent it. Because it's hard to find Diana Ross movies for some reason to rent. That is interesting. I've brought it up before. Like Mahogany. Um, What was the other Lady one that Sings she did? Lady Sings the Blues? Yeah, Lady Sings the Blues. There's like a like a couple of Diana Ross films she I wanted like to do. She three, I think. Yeah. And I'm bringing it around full circle because a year ago this evening, Christine and I got to go to the Richard Rogers Theater to see Crystal Joy Brown be Eliza in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. And she, she was Diana Ross in, on Broadway. Yes. So yeah, in Motown. that is out. Nice. Okay. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed this. Uh, Hope we gave you a couple things to think about. 
look at the Wizard of Oz in a little bit of a new way. Yeah, Glenda, the villain. The villain. Okay, and next week, more Glenda. We're going to run it back. Yeah. Wiz. How fun is that? Well, there you go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.